It's Tom Albright with Aviation with an Aviation special celebrating International Women's Day, the month of March. Uh, with me today is a fantastic young lady I got to meet uh, on Twitter through the socials and in subsequent Chris Netto happy hours, Sarah Beth Mullins. Welcome, ma'am. Thanks to be here, Tim. It's 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 nice to talk to someone <laughs> in English, no less. And we'll, in we'll English, explain that. yes. <laughs> um, Sarah Beth actually is a PhD student, uh, a doctoral student in acoustics um, at the Surveyne uh, University in Paris, France. Uh, so there's all kinds of things with that that I'm jealous of. Um, not the least of which is the PhD part, but also the Paris part, uh, and that's why we joke about talking to someone uh, in English. So. You don't have a French accent. Uh, no, I How'd do you not. Get here? <laughs> How'd you get here? <laughs> and I don't mean France, obviously, but but you know the the overarching yeah, industry wide favorite question is how did you get involved in the AV industry, Sarah Beth? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I think there's as many answers to the question as there are people working in AV. Um, I guess I had a bit of a winding road to get into it. Um, I'm a doctoral student, like you said, I'm working on virtual acoustic models and creating them for historic inquiry. Uh, but I actually started out uh, as a music major. So I have a bachelor of music in composition, uh, make some pretty awesome party tricks with uh, sick bird noises on woodwinds. Um, during my undergrad, I found an interest in uh, a lot of the technical systems that, that we were using as a music composition um, department, um, which led me to start interning uh, with the technology services at Affiliated Engineers Northwest office in Seattle, where I'm from originally. Um, after college, I was able to snag a really great internship with the acoustics group at the Stantec Consulting Services, also based in Seattle. Okay. Um, I worked there for a year and after a year was promoted from intern to an actual acoustic consultant. Um, and while I was there, I did a lot of work with acoustic modeling software. So mainly CAT and uh, Ease, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, that one. Um, started thinking about doing uh, continuing education, realized I had a large interest in more of the how, or excuse me, the why of sound than the how of sound. Um, I learned a lot about how to set up integrated systems or you know, how to make sure that uh, we were passing signal from the correct places, how to solve problems. But, but I didn't really understand the why of, of why does sound behave the way it does? Why do we do things the way we do them? Um, so I chose a degree in acoustics and music technology and uh, was able to do my master's thesis in acoustic modeling uh, through line there. Um, and I guess the, the final step to where I'm now is that uh, my program was ending uh, and I was starting to look for new jobs uh, for what to do after the master's school. That was actually about a year ago today, and I'm sure we're all unfortunately aware of what was going on a year ago today. Yeah. Um, the job market, which had been really great, lots of opportunities, just it disappeared overnight, especially for developing professionals uh, with sort of my level of experience, you know, two to four years worth of experience in the industry. Um, 
So I was starting to like look elsewhere, find as many options as I could. I found this listing for a thesis in France. I figured, you know, it matches my interests, it matches my skill set. I'll throw my hat in the ring, see if anything happens. And uh, kind of shockingly, something happened with that. So, so I guess that's the the long and short of it, a uh, winding road. But it's here a fascinating, I am. yeah, it's a fascinating winding winding road. And and you know, we're not going to get into the particulars of how um, uh, you ended. You go, you went from you know the Northwest United States in into France during a pandemic when both countries were locked down. Not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you follow um, if you follow Sarah Beth on either Instagram or or uh, um, Twitter, several pictures of her in full PPE, so she's being being very safe um, as she goes to work to and from every day. I, I want to pick on something though, really quickly, because I'm fascinating and I have no idea what this means. Yeah, acoustic modeling for historic inquiry. Yeah. What is that? I think I know, but 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 help me out here. So uh, the subject of the dissertation specifically is um, studying the acoustic heritage of Notre Dame de Paris, uh, the cathedral that burnt in 2019. Um, and the, the methodology that we're using is um, generating virtual models that uh, you can interact with real time um, in such a way as to understand, for instance, what it might have been like to be a woman worshiping in the cathedral in, say, the 11th or 12th century. So. Good night. Okay. Now I'm even more. So, so really quickly, and I don't yeah. want to spend too much time on this. I have been to Paris once. I've yeah. been to a service uh, at Notre Dame. It was an international service. Yeah, I'm not Catholic, but mm -hmm. it was just fascinating. Right. Um, the, and one thing I learned about that is that there has been a, a religious building, a Catholic building, a church of some sort for the last thousand years there. Yeah. Right. So the fact that you're doing that is, is even, even immensely, even more fascinating. Um, I, I believe in either 2013 or 2015, it, it's uh, celebrated its 850th anniversary of existence. Yeah. So good night, old building, <laughs> old building. Um, so let's, let's talk about, you know, you going from music, which is a common, you know, underlying theory for, for AV professionals, um, through consulting, right. Um, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of women in consulting. Um, no. there's not a lot of women in acoustics to be frank. So sure. what are some of the challenges you faced being a woman and, and, and quite frankly, being a young woman in a consulting field and also in, in the field of acoustics? Right. I mean, it's I, I've been thinking about that a lot. Uh, Chris Netto had a uh, women's takeover of his AV in the AM a few weeks ago, and um, it's certainly been causing a lot of reflection on my part. Um, yeah. I think the simplest way I could put it is that I've had to deal with an awful lot of assumptions about my capabilities Okay. that have been made sort of purely based on my appearance and my gender. Um, so, I mean, we're talking about everything as small and insignificant as, say, managers at some of my previous technician jobs who thought I didn't know how to run cable um, or didn't know how to gaff things properly. Um, or sabotaging some of my gigs because uh, they took it a bit personally that I, I sort of knew what I was doing. Um, 
from from that sort of minor level of inconvenience to what I might describe as a bit of a brick wall when it comes to breaking into consulting, um, there is really no easy way to describe the sort of outsider effect um, that you experience as a young woman going to trade shows like Infocom or AES um, or other sort of large industry conferences and events. Um, my experience on trade room floors, show floors has been, you know, ignored at booths, uh, dismissed when I try to ask technical questions, um, in attempting to network at networking events, if I don't know anyone previously, you're sort of being iced out of any existing conversations. Um, it's, it's just like this institutional uh, force pressing out against anyone who might be trying to get on the inside of, of the, the industry. Um, I will admit that I'm a bit petty. Uh, I do keep a mental list of some of the worst offenders. Um, both individuals and sometimes companies if it's a company recurring issue. Um, because, you know, in general, you can you can sort of overlook one or two instances of this pushback against your presence. But when it becomes a recurring issue, you know, you really begin to wonder, are these people I want to continue to do business with in the future? If they're not willing to accept my presence and value it, you know, maybe that should be a data point for any decisions going into the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I guess to sort of sum it up, a bit of condescension and from some people, a, a sort of inability or refusal to take me and my contributions seriously. Um, yeah. <laughs> Explain to someone who, who, has never had this. And, and, I, and I've said this, I said this last, last month when we were interviewing folks for Black History Month, I will say it again. I, I understand who I am and, and where I am, right? And, and what I am. I am, a, I am a straight white guy, right? Mm -hmm. um, closer beyond the, the middle-aged part, but that's beyond, as a, as a whole other issue. Um, I think it's a state of mind, Tim. Middle-aged no, is am, just a Then state I am ancient. Uh, you can do acoustic <laughs> modeling in my historic head. Um, <laughs> What does dismissing mean? What does it mean to you? What does it look like? Um, and 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 I, I asked this, ha having asked this before to other questions, other folks as well, and not just women and not just people of color. Actually, uh, I had a couple of conversations with a, a gentleman, uh, a dear friend of mine, who went from manufacturing to end user, and uh, his first his first trade show after having that transition was dismissed. And this is someone who spent 20 years on the manufacturing side. And, you know, again, this is not, this was a gender thing. This was a, a, a race thing. It was just a, you know, where you are, your position in the industry. So tell some folks if they're not, if they haven't experienced that, like, what does dismiss look like? I mean, uh, this one's a perpetual uh, reoccurring thread. Um, I think, as with many introverts, I tend to take a few moments to think about questions that I'm going to ask um, when I visit a vendor booth uh, or am networking with a new company and want to know more about them. You know, I don't, I don't want to ask the question that's been asked a thousand times already that day. I want to ask something that can only by, be answered by someone in person. So I'll sit back, I'll 
take a, take a second, formulate my question, and make sure it goes specific to exactly the issue that I'd like to know. And rather than having that question addressed as it is, that is to the point, I'll get like the sort of generic, oh, well, you probably don't know much about anything sort of answer. You know, I'm, I'm asking a question on, shall we say level four or five, and they're answering the question as if it's on level one or two, um, as sort of speaking down to me, um, a sort of, assumption that whatever question I might ask is um, like, it only sounds smart, I guess, may, might be the right way to put it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, technical questions being redirected constantly to um, like a sales brochure rather than, you know, the engineer continuing to engage with me in person. Um, that That's a fun runaround to get a few times. Um, I think also a there's been multiple instances, and this is consulting specific, you know, where I've shown up as the designer, um, certainly not the most senior uh, AV person in the room, but, but the one who's, shall we say, in the weeds most of the time, um, shown up to meetings. And uh, rather than taking my answers for what they are and addressing continuing questions to me, um, asking the more senior man in the room those technical questions that he constantly has to refer to me to answer because you know as as the supervisor as a higher level consultant his job is to QAQC my work not to do my work for me yes um, and uh yes but that that sort of um shall we say glossing over the areas in which I have expertise and assuming that someone else has it instead is, I think, those are a few examples of the most glaringly obvious forms of dismissal I've experienced. So, so let's let's fast forward this a bit to the end of your career. And we mentioned the fact that you are, you know, you're you're towards the beginning. You, you know, it, it takes a couple of years to get to the doctoral part, right. but still, you know, um, when you retire, when you when you decide to to you know, exit this industry many, many, many years from now. What do you want to see have changed and, and what do you want to have done to change it? Okay, well, the, there's a very glaringly obvious um, analogy that, that comes to mind, uh, a seat at the table. Um, I think, unfortunately, that that trope is accurate. Um, what I would like to see is a bigger table. Um, it's, I look at some of the work that the Avixa Foundation is doing to create scholarships for diverse students entering the field, um, partnering with more organizations uh, for high schoolers, young adults to find passion for the industry, to try to open the doors more to people from a variety of backgrounds. And, and I would like to see the industry continue in that fashion. You know, I, I like to joke with my dad, who's also an AV professional, that, that what I see a lot of in AV is that it's a whole bunch of guys who, who got a taste for sound back in the 60s and 70s, you know, 
going to rock shows, being a roadie, whatever, you know, they, they, they get there in and they've continued to follow their passion. And, you know, now they're a little less rough around the edges. Now, now we talk about deliverables rather than gigs, but um, there, there was this path for, for multiple people to find a passion and develop it. And I think when I retire, what I'd like to see is more paths into that passion, um, more willingness for people on the inside of the industry to extend that initial trust, that initial mentorship, that initial, you know, handshake to people who are sniffing around the outsides thinking, you know, what's up with this sound thing? What's up with this networking thing? Um, and say like, come in, the, the water's great. And uh, when you're ready to swim, you know, we're going to be like cheering for you. Um, that, that's what I'd like to see. So that is incredible. That, that, that is a wonderful way to, to, to end. Sarah Beth Mullins, if somebody wants to connect with you and follow along as you, you, your journey towards, uh, towards doctorate, uh, how do they do that? Uh, yeah, so I am on LinkedIn. Um, I suppose that's the most professional of my online um, presences. Uh, it's just Sarah Beth Mullins. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. Again, Sarah Beth Mullins. Um, if we connect real well on Twitter or LinkedIn, I might consider sharing my, my personal uh, Instagram account, which is mostly pictures of daily life in Paris. But uh, uh, if you're looking to get in touch, uh, sarahbethmullins at gmail.com is a great way to reach me. So. Very good, Sarah Beth Mullins, and I will be following you because you are, again, remarkable and looking forward to, to all the incredible things you're going you're gonna to accomplish. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for us, for Aviation. Go by our website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv, and follow along as we highlight other incredible women during International uh, Women's Month for International Women's Day. All that and more at aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. 